Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we are completing our series on Florence Pugh with our fourth and final episode. Today we are talking about Black Widow. Why do you always do that thing? Do what? That thing you do when you're fighting. And the, like the... This this thing that you do when you whip your hair when you're fighting with the arm and the hair and you do like a fighting pose. It's a yeah. It's a fighting pose. You're a total poser. Not a poser. <laughs> oh come on! I mean, they're great poses, but it does look like you think everyone's looking at you like all the time. All that time that I spent posing, I was trying to actually do something good to make up for all the pain and suffering that we caused. I'm trying to be more than just a trained killer. Well, then you were fooling yourself, because pain and suffering is every day, and we are both still a trained killer. Except I'm not the one that's on the cover of a magazine. I'm not the killer that little girls call their hero. This is a superhero family action film. Directed by Kate Shortland. The cast includes Nicole Barber, Amy March, Short-Sighted Woman, Jim Hopper, Beowulf, and Luke Bankholt. I watched this movie on Disney Plus. Joey, how did you watch it? The only place available, Disney Plus. Right? And uh and not even in the theater, right? There was a little bit oh, of yeah. uh, controversy. Controversy with that, that, which we'll get to eventually, but if you want to watch this movie, uh you can watch it on Disney Plus. We'll begin our analysis of this movie with our synopsis that was written by Joey. Go ahead. Natasha Romanoff, the Avengers' very own Black Widow is on the run. She's being pursued by S.H.I.E.L.D. for violating the Sokovia Accords. She escapes to Norway where she's living in a tiny trailer, but soon after she arrives, she is attacked by some sort of cyborg assassin. The assassin can mimic her moves, but they are not there to kill Natasha. They are there to collect a mysterious package that Natasha was sent from Budapest. Natasha escapes with the package and heads to Budapest to track down someone she thought was long dead, her younger sister. You see, when she was a wee lass, Natasha lived in Ohio for three years with her mother, father, and sister. But all of that was a lie. An organization known as the Red Room needed people stationed in the U.S. for a deep cover secret mission. Her mother and father weren't their real mother and father, but actually secret Russian agents. Yelena was so young, she believed the lie. But Natasha knew better, and once their mission was complete, the fake family dissolved and the girls were sent to be trained as super-secret agents. Natasha believed she had killed the leader of the Red Room, Drakov, cutting off the snake at the head. But Yelena tells her the terrible truth. The Red Room is alive and more awful than ever. In fact, Yelena has had her brain chemistry altered to follow orders. She was exposed to a special gas that broke her conditioning, and now, for the first time in her life, she is free. Natasha and Yelena decide to team up to take down the secret assassin organization once and for all, but they have a problem. They have no idea where it is located and how to get there. So they go find someone who might, namely their father. Well, not really their father. You know, their fake father. The secret Russian spy that pretended to be their father. You get it. It's not that complicated. Anyway, he is in some remote Siberian prison after becoming a threat to Drakov's plans. 
Natasha and Yelena break him out with a helicopter, a rocket launcher, and some super sweet white tactical suits. Unfortunately, Alexei, their fake dad, doesn't know anything about the Red Room's current location, but he does know the location of his fake wife, Melina. You know, the Natasha and Elena's fake mom. You get it. Again, it's not confusing at all. Totally. Mom, dad, fake mom, fake dad, whatever. <laughs> anyway, they arrive on Melena's pig farm and try to figure out what's going on. It turns out each of them played a role in the Red Room's resurgence. And although the family lie is long dead, they agree they need to work together to stop them from hurting any more people. Melina still works for the Red Room, and she leads the fake family to infiltrate the Red Room's floating sky base. Natasha confronts Drakov, and he reveals the cyborg assassin is actually his daughter, who Natasha nearly killed in her last assassination attempt on the Red Room leader. Natasha cannot harm Drakov because he emits custom pheromones that keep his assassins from turning on him. Natasha circumvents this by breaking her nose. But before she can kill Drakov and end this nightmare forever, she is jumped by the widows in training. She is saved by Elena, who exposes the young female assassins to the conditioning breaking gas. Meanwhile, Melina is causing the entire floating structure to explode and crash. Drakov is consumed in an explosion, and Natasha and Elena skydive to the ground. There, Natasha faces off against Drakov's cyborg daughter and expose her to the anti-brain conditioning drug. The fake family and the newly freed widows escape as S.H.I.E.L.D. arrives to deal with Natasha. After the credits, Yelena is shown at Natasha's grave where she receives an assignment to kill Hawkeye. The end. The end. The end, yes, there we go. The events of Black Widow will begin our conversation with our pros and our cons. Joey, what did you like about Black Widow? Action. There was a lot of action in this movie, and I'm a fan of action. Uh, Marvel's always delivering the top, top-notch, best action in the world. Uh, so that's what this is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Florence Pugh is awesome. She's a great addition to this story. Um, and this one feels a little more serious than some of the other Marvel movies, which I think was a nice uh, change in tone. What about you? What did you like about this? I echo your praise of Florence Pugh. She is great. Uh, she was one of the highlights of this film, for sure. I agree. There's a lot of fun action. And one thing about action is it's very, very fun. So yep. I loved how fun it was and how much action <laughs> there was. And, um, and also, I liked the family theme throughout this. Um, you know, it's... It's something that uh, made me feel good, and I thought there were some r real moments between the members of the characters that I enjoyed, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But now let's move on to our cons. Joy, what did you not like about Black Widow? I think it's so weird that they use human trafficking as a plot point without ever really saying anything about it. Like, it's like, oh, you know, you know, she was human trafficked and like, it's a real thing that's going on in the background here. And like, that's part of the bad guy. He's like a human trafficker and stuff. But they're like, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, that's just a that's just part of our fantasy world. Like, uh, <laughs> without any sort of, you know, commentary or like without addressing directly exactly uh, this real and horrific like thing that happens uh, to people. Um, I also think that the whole movie is kind of boring. Um, this is definitely the most formulaic Marvel movie that I can think of. Um, and I, normally I don't agree with the whole like Marvel formula 
like uh, discussion. Yeah, yeah, but I I really do see that in this movie. Um, and like to kind of add on to that, there is even a bad guy who is a dark reflection of the hero. Like she's literally mimicking what the hero does, <laughs> which is like the classic Marvel villain is just the good guy, but he's bad and like slightly bigger, right? He has the exact same powers. He's just, you know, different. He's a bad guy. Um, and yeah, the whole thing just feels shallow in general. What about you? I agree. This one wasn't spectacular. Um, like I guess it was a fun ride, but overall, I, I um, wasn't a huge fan. Like wasn't blown away in any capacity. There's a lot of silly, unrealistic superhero stuff that happens in this, which is kind of par for the course for Marvel. But um, it felt like this movie of all the movies would try to avoid that, since the superhero aspect is kind of toned down with Black Widow uh, being our main character, but. Right, There's, and it being like trying to take a more serious tone, too, yeah. Right, trying to show a little more tragedy to it. Um, yeah, it's just weird. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I have a couple things I'll point out specifically about that. Uh, telling this story now feels pretty inconsequential because going in, I already know for sure that Black Widow gets out of this alive, and also that Drakov isn't a big like player moving forward. So. The, yeah. like the stakes feel very uh, like for if you've seen the other movies uh and then it also didn't have enough red room i think the red room is really interesting the whole uh concept of creating these ki- monsters uh, like these killers out of these uh w- like little girls is interesting to me and i feel like they could have gotten a lot more mileage out of that um so I, I was yep. a little disappointed in that so let's those are our pros and our cons let's move into our overall section and i'll say I think this movie was entertaining enough. Like it wasn't so bad that I was like groaning at it um, or, or anything like that. It just was kind of middle tier and, and kind of boring. Uh, there's plenty in there to like, if you really like black widow and I'm sure plenty of people wanted this movie to happen. So, you know, so I'm not going to say that you can't enjoy it, but um, I felt like it didn't really capture all of the potential it had. Like it starts off yeah. by dropping us into this family setting, which is appropriate because family remains a potent concept throughout this film. And then the movie wastes no time getting us into an action sequence with the whole like plane takeoff thing and having people get shot and having a child driving an airplane to, to escape <laughs> America. Like all that stuff is like, wow, we're really jumping right into it. Um, and then I even liked the title sequence. I thought like all the like, quick uh sequence of images we were seeing with like a bunch of faces redacted and uh children doing military training like it had me thinking this is going to be some sort of like a spy thriller drama and um that's not what it turned out to be which is fine it didn't have to fit into whatever made up genre classification i want to assume it's going to go down like it went more like action buddy cop kind of family uh right. film and it which is fine but i feel like that ended up being a much less interesting movie uh in retrospect after seeing all the things that are in this uh film yeah i i i think you're exactly right i'm not really sure what to think about this movie on one hand i feel like this story is long overdue people have been asking for a black widow movie since she became a character in iron man 2 um she is different than a lot of the other avengers she's not a superhuman uh, she is just a really tough, talented, secret agent, um, and she has this really troubled past. She basically used to be one of the bad guys, and 
then she got out and wants to undo some of the wrong that she's done. It's sort of like a second act for her, sort of like a redemption opportunity, which we've seen done really well with like Iron Man, for example. Um, but this movie, even though it's set in the past, is not about her origins or growing up or changing. It's simply an Avenger who has some loose ends. Um, I've never really agreed with the Marvel formula talk people uh, that people like say, but this one really challenges my stance on that. In almost every other movie, I felt like there was a purpose to the story. This one feels like, well, I guess we better do it, which isn't really fair. <laughs> I, I, I learned a lot about Natasha and the other characters and the Red Room and how it works, but otherwise the movie just felt late, like we needed it three years ago. The family stuff is sweet and interesting, but it's not even canonically original. I mean, at the end, she says, I thought I had no family, but it turns out I have two. Like, it's literally the same basic lesson as the Avengers. These are very different people coming together to create something that is greater than some of their parts. These broken people working together can do amazing things. I get it. I get it. All right. We, we, we've done it already. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's fair to say Natasha Romanoff has no arc in this movie because I think she does come to accept that what the rest of the family seems desperate to. Everyone else is cool with getting the uh, band back together, excited to do it even. But Natasha is standoffish and she has to be convinced that the family is real. It's complicated because although she clearly despises Milena and Alexi for the lie, she still learned so much and became the Red Room's most successful student. She survived because even though the family was fake, the lessons and memories were real. That's, that's cool. Thumbs up for me. I'm, uh, I'm good with that. I think that's an interesting thing to expand on. But I don't know. It just feels so empty other than that. Even Yelena, who goes through a literal mind shift, doesn't grow much in this story. I mean, what do you think? Do you agree with that? Yeah, like I did feel like it was kind of rushed in the introduction of Yelena to have her be fully killer mode, like actually kills somebody in front of us. And then yes. she's like, oh, now I'm just good, you know? And and, and it makes <laughs> sense because she got the, uh, the, the chemical thing and that's like how it works. But that's not very compelling to me because I, there's no, and maybe they didn't want it to be this way but i didn't have any conflict in like deciding whether she was good or not and there was no yes. hesitance to believe that she had made a total shift i think there's an opportunity there for some tension to be like is she really all the way back uh did is anything from the red room kind of resonating with her or uh, right. like keeping its hold on her or maybe it's creeping back in and and she like doubts it in any way no it's just complete oh i'm suddenly good and uh i'm right. ready to be a protagonist in every way it's yeah it's weird because the red room is supposed to be this extreme experiment in mental conditioning right it's supposed to, it's not just like we these women are extremely dangerous and you know are the best spies in the world it's there's, the other component of it is it's like a brainwashing um organization that convinces and manipulates its assassins into doing the most horrific things right but they, they find some sort of hack, it seems, where they can, like, you know, do something to your brain and then suddenly you will just do whatever they say, um, which is not what, which is explicitly not what Natasha goes through. Right, um, right. She is, like, she was manipulated and taught that this was right, and then she had to break out of that. And Florence Pugh didn't really have to do that. She just, she just had the, you know, the, the thing plugged into her head or whatever, and then it, she became evil or she, she could be convinced to do whatever they wanted. They didn't have to do any of the hard work, I guess you could say, of um, tricking her into thinking that what she's doing is right, you know? Yeah. Which no. I think is, 
But when you're saying like I want more of the Red Room, I think this is exactly what we wanted, right? What I would think, what I when I'm thinking of a Black Widow movie, what I want is how did what does it do? How did Natasha get into it? What kind of sick, twisted things did they make her do or or do to her? You know, I'm thinking like Sucker Punch, which is one of our favorite movies, oh, right? Yes. Where like you you're introduced into this weird world, right? And you see how like the conceits and framing of the situation twist these women into something that they weren't before right and makes them into something new and like dangerous and and awful right whereas you know this movie is just like okay well it exists already and i'm already a good person so therefore like we're all good here right there's no like danger of her not making it or danger of her like not um what's it like uh like ever reverting i guess yes no totally the same thing's true for yelena too just like you said well i like this was something i was hoping to get a lot more out of this film was the red room because it's held up as this mythical location and it's a place where harmless little girls are sent and they come out as brutal efficient killers and having this be a psychological process is very interesting. Like you're saying, like what kind of torment are these girls put through that turns them into these monsters? What kind of tricks are played on them to convince them that what they do is what they should do and they do it without you know any sort of resistance? And yeah. how do you bring someone back from that, right? All of that is, it's basically, it's Natasha's backstory and it's what makes, it's part of what makes her so interesting. But then you change that to a chemical agent and it kind of just cheapens the whole deal. Like, you don't have to be brutal or even, like, train your mind control slaves on how to be brutal or evil. You can just train them on how to be good killers, whether they agree with it or not. Like, you just mind control them and then have have them run drills all day on, like, how to be agile and how to be accurate (laughs) with a gun, you know? Then there's no resistance from them. So it's just, it could happen really fast, too. It's just the the modern age, right? You know, like... All, the, every, all these uh, new companies coming out, uh, brainwashing girls, aren't doing it the old-fashioned way, right. the way that you know people used to do it. You There's know? no They're seasoning. They're taking shortcuts. That's right. There's <laughs> no, where's the passion? Where, right. Where's the years of, of hard work, of, of conditioning? You know, That's how it used to be back in the good old days. Listen, we're, we're, <laughs> listen you're, you're trying to undermine my point, but I, I still think that there's something here because like, there's no resistance from them, so it doesn't, they don't have to agree or not with what they're doing there's there's no um there's yeah. just no resistance and that leads us to like really two-dimensional widows right where they're like going to do it without having to think about it or even have any resistance and then as soon as they're unlocked and they're not part of it they're all good none of them have any sort of like attachment to the process which obviously it's like why would they but that's the psychological part of it they get tricked into having some sort of attachment to the process and that makes them compelling in this it's just there might as well be robots uh because they don't have any sort of agency at all they just are mind controlled and um that's kind of no. Boring. You're exactly right because, like, when they are under that thing, they're under that spell or whatever. They're not really people at all. I mean, the closest thing you get to any sort of like cracks in this is when you see that one uh, woman kill herself after she falls off the building, right? Um, and Drakeoff like uh, put, like makes her put her fist to her head and right. shoot herself or whatever, right? And she, you can see her being like, "I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this." And then she has to do it anyway. You know, that's like. That's kind of interesting. Like that gives you a little bit 
of insight sort of into how this works but it doesn't really i don't know it, it's not like um it would be so much more chilling i think if they just if she like you know just did it to herself you know because she yes. knew that's what she needed to do right instead of it being like oh she's um you know she's being controlled and it's not it's like it's, it's not her fault that this is happening it's like oh no actually like uh she believes that this is what i need to be doing and that's like it's like it's the problem goes so deep that you have to get out of it and yeah i think like i don't like necessarily speculating about like oh what if i was going to write this movie again because it's always easier to write stuff in hindsight yeah you know? totally they've already built built this up but but i'm going to indulge a little bit like having watching i can imagine this movie where natasha is about to graduate from the red room or something like that right and she's she's a trained assassin she's the best in the class or whatever she's going around doing all these secret missions and then she discovers some sort of problem right or like during one of her missions she she's out there in the world and she sees something that triggers some memory in her and she's like suddenly questioning about the whole thing right and then she starts pulling on that thread and she starts seeing all these cracks in the in the armor and starts uh you know realizing that what they're doing is is tricking her manipulating her and then she has to reconcile like all the things that they've told her versus everything that um is real right and trying to figure out where she fits in in this and if she can in if she can ever be forgiven for all the things that she's done um because she didn't know better right because she was tricked and she has to realize that that wasn't her that was like the manipulation that she did and coming to terms with that and everything and then in the end deciding that she needs to kill Dracoff, but in the, the way that she has to kill Dracoff is to also sacrifice another little girl right oh like, my like, gosh yeah right yeah <laughs> no there's so much potential here that's what makes it so like frustrating because the other thing too is like um you could have shown us the similarities between the way that natasha went through the red room and the way that uh, yelena went through the red room like maybe right. you, you show natasha as like clearly the best in her class but then yelena is also the best in her class and part of the reason why it's hard to keep her like she's like, you know, I was supposed to be better than you or something. It's like, you just want me to leave the red room because you're jealous of me being right, like right, better right. or something like that. You know, you create some sort of conflict where it's not as easy to just switch sides. That's the intrigue with trying to get a sleeper agent to join your side is that you can't <laughs> trust them. They might switch back at any moment, right? Right. That, there's just none of that here, um, which just does not make it all that compelling uh, to try to save these girls. Like, yes slavery is bad mind control bad so you're i'm on your side we should we should stop this but beyond that it's not interesting at all there's no yeah. and i mean this gets me to, to Drakov, right because he originally put natasha through the red room so he comes with intrigue built in right uh but beyond that he's pretty boring as well this whole deal is that he uses his network of brainwashed widows to pull the strings of power across the planet but for what reason like obviously his methods are heinous but is his correct is worldview correct in any way? Does he have any ground to stand on for why he should wield this kind of power? Because if he doesn't, then he's boring. Yeah. You know, he's just the mind control guy and we should stop him because like I said before, slavery is bad. So and and and, and then beyond that, the way he dies isn't even memorable. It's framed like Yelena has to sacrifice herself to kill him right? Which is kind of poetic. Um, but first off, why? Like, why does she have to die to, to kill him, right? Because the, like, the way that she does that, she's like, no, don't do it. And she sto shoves like a staff into a turbine. 
to blow up the like it, it seems like such a like backwards way to try to kill him but that's what she ends up doing but why does she have to do that first off and then second off like she doesn't even have to sacrifice she, or sorry she doesn't even sacrifice herself she totally lives so like it doesn't even have that aspect of it like to follow through on <laughs> right so no, it's yeah i i think i think all of this all the problems of this movie stem from scarlett johansson being too powerful <laughs> as <laughs> as an entity in hollywood right like I, I, what I'm imagining is like, like I, I really liked Florence Pugh's um, performance in there, and Scarlett Johansson, she's a great actress, right? I have no, I have no real issues with her, but it, it, for her, for me in this movie watching it, the only thing I could think about was her contract. I was like, okay, what exactly did she say in her contract when she was making this movie? Like, was it in her contract that she was going to have all those ear piercings, um, or like, and like, what about like? I, I can totally see her calculating her punches, like Statham in The Rock. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in, in that movie. Like, when they're, she's like making all of these calculations. Like, how do I make myself look into, like, super badass throughout this movie and never look wrong, you know, unless I'm, like, learning to love again? You know, like, that's, it, it's so, um, I don't know, it feels so calculated. It feels like there's, there's no depth or um, emotional, like, vulnerability yeah from no risk our main character no exactly. risk for for making black widow look weak or yes. in, anything like that right um yeah and, and this kind of goes into the action too I, I i maybe i'm just outgrowing it but like there really does feel like there's no stakes at all in this movie <laughs> like they kill and maim anyone who gets in their way they fall from buildings get exploded and nothing happens uh, they're totally fine the entire time. There's that one scene where Florence Pugh gets her arm cut, but they use that to escape. Like, that's part of the <laughs> plot, yeah. and then she's fine. She's totally fine the rest of the movie. Uh, no bullets can touch them. Uh, no mistake has deadly consequences. And there's so many moments where I'm just like, okay, well, I guess they're fighting again now. You know, nothing, like, they're punching each other, but um, doesn't matter. That nobody's going to get hurt, so. No, I totally agree. <laughs> And it's like action for action's sake, not yeah, not any yes. It just doesn't. This is what I, this is what I feel like about like the Marvel formula, right? It's like okay, now we need an action scene that we've had gone too long without an action scene. We need one now. Um, so let's 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 put that in here. How do we get some action into this into this part of the movie? Yeah, I mean that's kind of how I felt any time we saw um, Anatonia. I think was her name. The yes. uh, the Taskmaster or the Cyborg Daughter. Is Taskmaster the name of uh, uh, according to Wikipedia. the villain? Oh wow! Okay, no, because I assume this character existed in the comics in some capacity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like all the action with the Taskmaster was completely boring and and un uninspired. Like it was like, yeah. okay, now I'm gonna fight, but I'm not gonna lose, and neither will you. We are going to <laughs> you know bounce right. blows off of each other and then move on because we needed this scene to be more than just not action. <laughs> just like, you know, guy in suit or woman in suit, you know, like it's just not that interesting anymore. Yeah. You know? And like that I don't know, I I, I like the idea of like that she can mimic people right she has the shield she has the sword and she can like shoot arrows or something right yeah yeah um so she's so basically like, captain america natasha and uh hawkeye combined. oh and she does have um the uh the claws black panther claws oh i didn't even notice that and she well that, that her, was her helmet, she was fighting alexi 
Her helmet also looks like Ant-Man's helmet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not that it matters or right. brings in any sort of like mimicking style. Actually, she is literally mimicking his style. <laughs> but <laughs> just like the shape of the helmet is, is reminiscent very of Ant-Man. the Ant-Man helmets. That's interesting. I don't know. It's just very, um, I don't know. It's, it is really boring. And I, yeah, I wanted to see more like of her adapting or something or or make i don't know maybe there's a way you can make that interesting well i I could tell that some of her moves like when when uh anatonia was fighting the the red guardian she definitely is doing moves that we associate with natasha like she Mm -hmm. was do like she did the thing where she jumps up and does the two-footed like the the double kick on the chest and with like a backflip and then lands it with like the pose and then she did the thing where she like tries to stab but then her arm gets like grabbed and she lets go of the knife and catches it in the other hand and then tries to stab with that like i that's cool i guess but it's it's like i'm showing you something you've already seen before don't you like that it's like (laughs) not really um and and i also didn't think that there was anything it's like i mimic the superheroes you're familiar with but i'm absolutely not them and i don't have the same kind of world altering power that they wield i just look like do the same motions as them which again is like totally underwhelming and not that interesting yeah, I don't know. There's something about like, you know, having unique characters have unique skill sets, you know, that makes them I don't know, unique. <laughs> I think you're you're circling the word you need to to get to here. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. Um and also, I mean, while we we're taking pot shots at Anatonia, like first off, <laughs> Natasha really botched the whole assassination attempt thing because she's like, I killed Drakov, but to do it, I had to kill his daughter. And it's like, actually, you didn't neither. <laughs> so you've been feeling guilty for years for nothing. You failed. Um, but then also, I really wanted Drakov to say, like when they took her helmet off, to be like, she's more machine than man now. <laughs> I wish to. That's so funny. <laughs> but um, yeah, overall, it felt like there was like they were just using her as a stand-in because they're like, well, we don't want to waste a good villain or 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 even come up with a good villain. Uh, we can right. just be like, hey, you remember Captain America? Remember Hawkeye? You know, they just just yeah, pretend yeah. that they're in this movie, and then you you should be satisfied, right? So yeah, I didn't love it. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Florence Pugh. Um, yes, for something good to talk about. Right. She really does stand out for me in this. She's the comic relief, but she really holds her own against Scarlett Johansson um, and just blends into the story just seamlessly. I think that she's she holds like this emotional weight um, that uh, is not present basically with anyone else. You know, I think the rest of the family uh, kind of holds that together a little bit, but it really all rests on Florence Pugh's shoulders. Um, yeah, I... As soon as I saw her face in this movie, I like she just immediately fit in to this story for me. You know, it wasn't like um, it's like, oh, man, Florence Pugh is in this. Right. And like, oh, I can't wait to see her uh, become, like join a cult or or <laughs> or, <laughs> or, 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 or wrestle some people or whatever. You know, it was it, um, she really did feel like she was right in there. And then I think maybe the accent helped too. just like her. She just felt like part of the story seamlessly and it was so nice seeing her having her balance against natasha having her um you know add in some levity but also some like a lot of emotional weight um 
and I yeah I I thought I was just really impressed overall uh, with how she did. I echo all of that praise like she delivers once again if there's one thing that's been consistent with Florence Pugh throughout the series that she brings it in every role and like first off she's doing yet another accent and I'm not an expert on Russian accents but she did good enough for me I didn't have any problems with it what did you think yeah I thought it was great um you know it's it's not super thick you know so there's certain parts where like when she says one or two lines where like you can't quite tell if she's doing the accent or not but overall it's pretty it's pretty consistent and um it, it's i mean it, it sounds good it really does didn't natasha used to have an accent too and then they like let her drop it later in uh i don't think so she she was in the first movie she's in is iron man 2 and she doesn't have an accent in that but she doesn't have that many lines either okay well, I'm just maybe they'll let uh, Yelena drop the accent if she's going to be in a lot of the stuff moving forward. Because I mean, not to say there's anything wrong with it, but it's probably a little bit annoying. And if she sure. is going to be like the new Black Widow, uh, I don't know. I think it would just. But she's great at accents. So maybe she doesn't mind. Um, but oh, but back to like the actual role here. Asking somebody like it's asking a lot of somebody to be able to drop them into a franchise like the MCU that has so much history and is held in such high regard, um, especially across from somebody uh, who's such an icon like uh, yes. Natasha Romanoff, and then say, hey, don't be outshined by this beloved character that we've all seen in a bunch of movies. But Florence Pugh absolutely holds her own. Like, she's a badass, which... Of course, she has to be because she's also a widow. So that's that's yeah. kind of assumed. And she could have done that and that would have been enough. But she's also funny. I loved her whole like vest thing with all the pockets <laughs> on it. She's so good at saying things that are like kind of <laughs> dumb or like kind of like not dumb. I don't want to say dumb, but like d- just kind of silly and delivering them in ways that is so funny. Like going back to the line about her, um, the mold of her foot from yes. Little Women, like that was delivered so hilariously. And this is like another example, that little banter about the vest was great. Um, also the running gag about Natasha being a poser. I thought that yes. that was well, like delivered well. So she was funny. And then she's emotive. The scene with the Red Guardian, where they try to have a moment and he kind of is like failing as a father, but then he remembers her favorite song and they sing American Pie together. Like that scene was way more emotionally charged than I expected. And honestly, I don't think this movie earned the emotional response that I got from that scene. (laughs) But the credit goes to Florence Pugh for her acting. She's amazing. And altogether, like I said, it's just another great performance from Florence Pugh and it makes me look forward to her future performances in the MCU um, as was teased in the post-credit scene. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, well then, I think that's going to complete our overall section, and we'll move on to our cool Easter eggs. What do you got, Joey? Okay, so this movie is unique in that it actually has a title sequence, which is not something that a lot of the other MCU movies have. Um, and this was apparently a choice by the director that was supported by Kevin Feige, the producer of the the entire the kind of architect of the whole marvel cinematic universe and um they said yeah let's do this it's uh, to give kind of a backstory to Drakoff in some stylized version right um what i think is weird about this movie about this title sequence specifically is all of the like <laughs> like there's all these shots of Drakoff 
um, with like political figures, including Jimmy Carter, uh, Condoleezza Rice, Vladimir Putin, and Bill Clinton. Um, which is like the choice to have Bill Clinton in this scene is so funny to me because, <laughs> like, I am a I like in my free time I like to find like you know do a little research about you know online conspiracies about you know you know child sex trafficking Careful. you might say of, you know about like, you know a certain a certain group that may be named after a letter uh that is you know obsessed with the the global elite you know uh, some sort of illuminati uh you know thing in the background uh, of which the clintons play a huge role in um and for them to include Bill, a picture of Bill Clinton in a, <laughs> in a in a montage with child with like trap human trafficking in it is so funny to me because it's like <laughs> queuing up this this conspiracy theory. Oh my god, it's it's amazing. Um, and like the other they also include like um. Like pictures of gymna- gymnastics, like of these women doing gymnastics, which I also think is a really weird choice, considering like the recent, um, you know, scandal that came out the last couple of years about uh, how the U.S.'s uh, gymnastics um, uh, coaching staff was abusing, um, you know, all of these young women. Um, again, feels like weirdly on the nose. Like feels like like they are referencing something real without ever going to the point of being like yeah well you know this is actually a real thing that pe- like that that actually happens to people and it's actually terrifying um instead they're like yeah you know he's just a human trafficker you know that's fine like we'll just <laughs> we'll just I, use okay. that as a <laughs> the bill clinton once he's a little bit more real to me or or like not real but you know something <laughs> where you're like whoa what are they trying to say here because i i feel like the gymnastics thing was more along the lines of the training that they put the widows through because sure. like yeah it's just like the horrific conditions they that the u.s oh, <laughs> gymnastics team puts <laughs> their their young uh, athletes through <laughs> Or they put them in competition so that they can get used to performing under pressure. But yeah, no, I mean, like, it's up to you to decide. Um, <laughs> it's just weird to conflate those things. That's, that's all I'm saying. I don't. That's all I have to say. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, let's move on to our quotable moments. And uh, what do you got? Dead gas. The counter agent. It was synthesized in secret by an older widow from Melina's generation. I was on a mission to retrieve it, and she exposed me, and I killed the widow that freed me. Did you have a choice? What you experienced was psychological conditioning. I'm talking about chemically altering brain functions. They're two completely different things. You're fully conscious, but you don't know which part is you. I'm still not sure. Okay, so this is my attempt to see if there's something, you know, cohesive happening with this movie. Okay, because this is this is one of them. Like we already talked about, kind of the plot points about why this is like not as interesting to do it this way. But Florence Pugh uh, or Yelena in this scene, she is describing uh, the brain cult, like altering chemicals that uh, and the conditioning that she went under to become a, a widow. 
uh, like a mindless assassin. Um, and she says, like, I don't know what was real. You know, I'm still not sure what was real. And like the way she's describing it, it's like, you know, there's a voice in your head and it's telling you to do things, but you don't know whether it's you or if it's the thing that's doing this to you. Right. Um, and like, yeah, that sounds pretty terrifying. I'm wondering if there's a way I can you can connect this to the family, right? Like where the family was a lie, they they, they pretended to be real, but it turned out that that was not real, right? Where you, especially young Elena, who was very like she was only six, right? And uh, uh, she was so that means that she was three when they first started this program or whatever. Um, basically, all she had ever known was that these people were her family and uh believe that they were her family and then you know that all just collapsed around her um once the mission was complete so um she believed that this was real and believed that this was part of who she was and then that turned out to be a lie uh similar i guess you could say to how these thoughts in her head she thought were hers but were actually a lie um I don't know. Uh, it's uh, like it seems to me that she seems pretty aware of how this like mind stuff works. Doesn't seem like they keep that a secret from her. Uh, I don't know if she found that out in the meantime or if that was something that was always present. Um, and, and like they just tell them straight up. By the way, we can control what you do. You know, like I, 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 so. If that's the case, then it doesn't seem like she was ever really lied to necessarily. She was just like. You know, there's a different, uh, I, I don't know exactly what to say, but it's, um, I don't know. I, I'm trying to reach here to see if I can make some connections between our two major themes in this movie, between like, you know, lack of free will and the family being like something that you decide to build together, even if it's built on a lie. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think you're uh, getting back to this idea that they like talking about how much you would know about her own brainwashing and how it works uh it does like that exact line that you played makes you think like maybe they could have built on that and be like i don't know which one's the real me uh you know i it's i am of two minds like the idea like everything she says there makes it sound like a definitely more compelling situation but functionally what happens in this movie is she never doubts it she knows what she wants to do the whole time and they completely whiff on any sort of connection they could have made there so yeah i like the idea of thinking like could we build something more compelling out of this sure maybe but it's not there they they do a little bit of lip service to it here but you have to really go out of the box in your own perception of this film to be like well I can extrapolate from that to think that, like, in all the scenes that we didn't see, she was, like, really wrestling with this idea of, like, who she really is and deciding if that should influence how she wants to believe in this fake family, you know? It's like, should there be parts of her horrifying backstory that she decides to um, cling to? because they actually are beneficial to her, despite the overall situation being bad? Um, I think that's a very compelling question. It's not addressed in this movie. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, I, you know, I was just an attempt to see where we could go with this. And I, yeah, I think that's very charitable. And I, I want to like this movie. Um, <laughs> but. But. <laughs> All right, know. let's try the next quote. <laughs> you okay? Why wouldn't it be? I hear things. Uh, something about the Avengers getting divorced. Yes, it's fine. I'm actually better on my own. Are you sure? Yeah. Because you can tell me, you know. That's the way the whole friends thing works. I know. I have friends. 
People who are friends don't call me. Honestly, the more I think about this, the more confused I get about how I feel about it. He says, this is the most gaslighty shit in this movie. He's just like, oh, like, uh, yeah, are you okay? Like, uh, is everything all right? Like, is there you know, anything you need? And she's like, no, I'm fine. I'm better off on my own. And he says, um, you know, you can tell me I'm, a, I'm your friend. And then she says, no, it's okay. Like, I understand. I have friends. And he's like, you don't have any friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you just said you were her friend, didn't you? <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah, I don't know. What, what did you... Uh... <laughs> I th- well, later on, he's like, he makes a sort of comment that's like, says something like, oh, um, you know, that's the thing every man wants to hear. I, like, implying that he, like, uh, is trying to sleep with her, I think. Like, that he's trying to, to, to be with her. Um, and uh, I think that's kind of present here, in a way. He's tr- like... He's like, yeah, like you don't have anybody else. You're desperate. Like, you can call me anytime. I'll be able to help you out. Um, which is weird. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> yeah. Well. Um. I, I don't know. Not um. Uh, <laughs> not cool. Uh, makes me uncomfortable. Makes my skin crawl a bit. All That's... I can say is, next time we have a like Avengers assemble type scene where all the different characters from all the different movies show up, this guy better be there, or I'm gonna be. <laughs> upset that we wasted so much time on him if he's just a one-off character with one movie uh we need uh, <laughs> we need him to show up and help defeat the next super bad guy with uh Does it, yeah to make up for all the scenes he's in this movie that's right <laughs> <laughs> okay all right well i think that's all of our quotes so joey i think you know what time it is it's time for us to go a little deeper deeper so this is sort of tangential to the movie, but famously, after the movie came out, there was a lawsuit between Scarlett Johansson and Disney. Um, and basically, the, the premise of the lawsuit is that uh, in Scarlett Johansson's contract, she was supposed to get a significant amount of the profits from theatrical release. Um, but because this movie was released simultaneously in theaters and on Disney+, she uh, was sort of, uh, you know, she didn't get her full cut, essentially. And so she sued Disney in a public suit um, to um, like get, you know, to, to get the money that she deserved, basically. And this is this was unusual in several ways, apparently. Normally, stuff like this is handled outside of court in something called arbitration. But it's, um, but because of the nature of her contract, she had to, like, basically do this publicly. And um, Disney came back with this statement that said they called the suit a callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, which uh, basically nobody ever nobody believed. Everyone came back and was like, Disney, you're really shitty for saying this, like including Brian Lord, uh, Johansson's agent, who said that Disney shamelessly and falsely accused Mrs. Johansson of being insensitive to the global COVID pandemic and accusing the company of leaving artistic and financial partners. So um, basically, uh, Disney tried to hide behind the uh, the pandemic and be like, it wasn't our fault. You shouldn't be suing us. Like we're victims of the pandemic too. And, uh, you know, object- objectively, yes, they did fire a ton of people, uh, like, cause they had to shut down their parks and everything. Um, but also like, 
not really important at the, in this stage. And like they have so much money at this point. Uh, basically, a lot of different uh, organizations came forward, including a bunch of unions and like a bunch of people that uh, support like women in film uh, and, and called um, Disney a misogynist, saying that they were, uh, you know, trying to rip off one of their big female uh, actresses. And um, eventually they were able to settle and they settled out of, out of court for a reported $40 million, although it's um, possible that that number is different because it was not made public. But it's interesting to think about because this certainly caused a big riff, I think. And I don't know if this played any role or not, but Scarlett Johansson isn't in What If, even though um, Black Widow is. Uh, Black Widow is played by Lake Bell. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if she'll be in the future ones either. I mean, they did kill her character off. Uh, so maybe she felt like she had nothing to lose at this point to uh, sue Disney uh, and kind of, you know, le like burn that bridge. Um, but it is, um, it's, it's certainly an interesting development in this, uh, especially since it kind of set a precedent at, for uh, individuals uh, attacking like giant corporations like this. What do you think? I'm not surprised. It's Disney, man. What is Disney's like ultimate goal is to always make more money. You know, like if, <laughs> if they're not def like defending their IP, they're out there trying to squeeze every nickel and dime out of every single situation. So um, I think it's yeah. great that this resulted in a settlement for, uh, for uh, Scarlett Johansson because uh, yeah, it's unfortunate the way this like all, turned out for her uh so it's good that something you know came back and she got her money but right. I, I mean this is just disney man i mean at this point like, i'm not i like that's surprised to, yeah to expect anything else i think would have been naive uh, <laughs> because uh you know only available yeah. on disney plus you know this movie <laughs> it's it's interesting that like I don't know if this was intentional or not. The way that I interpreted these events was that it wasn't intentional that they were trying to, you know, cut her out necessarily. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I think the suit certainly had some merit to it, um, which makes you think that, like, that that's exactly what they were doing. They were taking advantage of the situation and, and being like, okay, well, because we're not releasing it in the traditional way, but we expected to, we can sort of you know, go into this gray area where we're, we can pocket more of our revenue here. Yeah. Um, no, totally. It, they yeah. were like, oh, how unfortunate that this situation right. has changed. And instead of doing what have, would have been the obvious, like, thing to do with your business partners to be like, okay, this, the situation has fundamentally changed. We will change the way that we're compensating people. Instead, they're like, wow. I guess people aren't seeing this in theaters, huh? Ooh, guess you shouldn't have structured your contract like that. Right. That's such an unfortunate situation, you know? It's just like <laughs> such a dick move. But of no, course, it's all right. in pursuit of more money, you know? Like, it's just <laughs> Disney. That's that's so Disney. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm happy to hear that. I didn't actually know that she got her settlement. So I'm, I'm yeah, happy yeah, for yeah. her. And if that's the end of um, the Black Widow that we know, then that's okay. You know, she's she's been there, and now it's she's the been Florence Pugh era for a long time. One of the longest standing, you know, yeah, characters in this series. So, and yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting for them to kill her off in um, in Endgame too. Um, I had there's this hilarious meme that somebody made uh, about this situation. 
it says the title is uh, Scarlett Johansson versus the Walt Disney Company 2021 colorized. <laughs> it's a Lego of Black <laughs> Widow chasing after a Lego of Mickey Mouse holding two $100 Lego dollars. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's history right there. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I believe that is a good place to end our conversation on Black Widow. And as we do on every episode of Apple Chat, we will now deliver our ratings. Joey, what rating do you want to give to Black Widow? I want uh, some gas that gives me back my free will so I don't have to watch more movies like this. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I give this movie a cool vest with a whole bunch of pockets. Awesome. <laughs> okay, uh, so that is Black Widow. Uh, this also completes our series on Florence Pugh. Um, so, Joey, any general overarching thoughts on this series? Anything you've learned or any observations that you can say now that we've completed our four movie series? Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of Florence Pugh. I want to see what she does in the future and you know, how this develops. You know, I see, I, based on the way that her career has gone over the last few years, I foresee a lot of you know, big things for her, including you know, her own like features where she's either an action hero or a leading lady in some sort of you know romantic comedy or anything like that you know um yeah that, maybe some biopic with some famous uh you know person from history that she looks like something like that um yeah i i see i i think that she does such a good job it's so wonderful watching her uh um her act i mean she's she's gone she went from you know kind of being this you know uh in this like kind of tiny wrestling movie into being in the mcu that's like a big jump and um for her to like have that emotional weight throughout right through every single one of these movies she's always had that um the, the ability to kind of draw you in with how she emotes and just making her a relatable character that you really feel for and then you know being able to feel with her um, because throughout this series, you know, we've seen her go through all these different, you know, tough situations with family members, you know, with other, um, you know, with, you know, her friends or with, you know, other people that are close to her and, and always kind of standing out in, um, as far as just being a great emotive actress. Um, she's carried you know all of these movies we've watched even little women and this movie which we wasn't she weren't wasn't like the main focus of right she was more of a supporting character uh she still carries like that emotional weight so well um and bet like better and more completely um than almost anyone else in those stories and those movies have you know amazing actresses and actors in them that are brilliant in their own rights and so for her to stand on her own and to be able to match that and sometimes overcome like overshadow that um is a real testament to her skill as a performer totally i going into the series i hadn't seen anything with florence Pugh yet so i saw there's a lot of hype around her and i was like let's see if any of this is real and now after seeing four movies with her in there with her in them it's absolutely real she like I said before, delivers in every role that she's in. And even though it almost seems like her career has just been 
you know, on the yellow brick road here to success. Like it just is laid out before her and she's just in one huge like project after the next. But when you see her uh, in these roles, you see she totally deserves to be there. She brings as much, if not more to that movie than anyone else who's collaborating on that project. Um, and I liked what you said about her being relatable. I think that it's easy to empathize with her. And it really, like, if I think about it in, like, a Marvel superhero type of, like, paradigm, her superpower is this ability to express emotion through just, like, her face. And when you, like, she's been asked to cry in... <laughs> all of these movies and she brings that through in such an authentic way and yeah. and in such a way that just uh you know evokes emotion from the viewer um and i love it i love to see that and i can't wait to see what else she can do i almost regret ending the series on black widow uh because i didn't love the movie itself but i loved florence Pugh in it and um i think she's well deserving of a series like this where we focus specifically on her so yeah Overall, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, um, she's also like every movie has some sort of family aspect to it as well, you know. Um, but fighting with my family, it's literally in the title. Um, <laughs> Midsummer, she's like finds the cult, which is like her new family, and then Little Women is all about uh, the the marches, the family, um, and then this one too has got that family element too. So, um, you know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a theme that uh, will carry forward in uh, future Florence Pugh projects. But um, that's yeah. certainly funny. And the other thing is like. I mean, certainly she's, you know, the, she's a beautiful person. I mean, obviously she's on, you know, she's in Hollywood, you know, on these big stages. She has to be a certain level of attractiveness even to get to that stage. But that's never really been a focus, you know. Other characters, I, I think Scarlett Johansson falls into this uh, category as well, where she um, she's kind of just the hot one, you know. Like she's like, oh, like we need a beautiful woman. And so we'll hire this person to be that, right? I'm thinking like in the Prestige when Scarlett Johansson is like the the mistress, right? Right. She's like she's like a temptress in a way. Like she shows up and the uh, she's there. And same thing for even in uh, these movies in the MCU, right? The her suits and everything accentuate certain aspects of her body, um, which is not really present in this movie. But that's never really been uh, a characteristic of Florence Pugh either. You know, she she's simply a a woman. She's never really been like an object of you know desire, um, which I think is a testament to again her ability to perform uh, because she can hold her own and be raised to that level without ever really um, having to you know resort to that kind of thing which is not necessarily a, a terrible thing but it's not um you know i think as we move into a more progressive era where we're trying to hear from other people that's certainly something that we want to um celebrate more totally i mean it makes her super dynamic i i mean you can yeah. put her in any role uh because she's not typecast into being just the hot one um, right and, and uh yeah i mean i think that's why her future seems so full of potential because you could you know theoretically put her in almost anything uh and and potentially she could knock it out of the park yeah i mean just think about like 
like actors that have that are old that have been old forever right like Morgan Freeman, who's like, Michael no matter how, what movie, <laughs> no matter what, what movie we're watching, he's always old, you know? Yeah. Like that, that's something that you don't really see a lot from female actresses, maybe like Meryl Streep. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's based on, you know, a strong performance. So, you know, if things go well for her and she continues to, you know, build up this career, you could certainly see her, you know, becoming an actress, uh, that, you know, it has a long, long career, uh, um, you know, doing these, uh, amazing uh, performances. Well, I'm certainly rooting for her and looking forward certainly. to the rest of her career and what she does next. Okay. Okay. Well, that is the end of this episode and the end of our Florence Pugh series. Joey, what's next on Affable Chat? Next, we're doing National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, uh, a, a funny movie. It's very, yeah, it's very funny. Uh, it's funny. also our, you know, Christmas episode, I guess, for this year. Um, so we'll be getting into the spirit uh, by talking about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, but for now, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, then tell a friend about it. All you have to say is, have you considered listening to Affable Chat? You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at AffableChat or send us an email, AffableChat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel that's called Affable Chat. Affable Chat is live on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash AffableChat. That's going to do it for this episode. For Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening.